Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What is up, y'all? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week, kicking it off with a very scary book called Alien Number 1 from Marvel, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Salvador Larocca. This is a big deal because this is the first of the Fox properties that is coming to Marvel. We have Predator coming down the pike. Alien is here now. And we had Philip Kennedy Johnson on the live show talking about this book a couple of months back now when he first got on it. So we teased that if you want to go and listen to it. But all the teasing aside, what'd you think of this one? I thought this was great. Really captures the the vibe of the Alien movies um, while being a compelling new story where you uh, you feel really feel alongside the characters. Um, there's mistakes are made. Classic mm-hmm. Alien thing where somebody really fucks up with these things. And you, you don't get a lot of mistakes with the Alien people. The thing that I thought was really fascinating about this as a fan of the Alien franchise, and to get into spoilers for the book a little bit, it's about a military guy. He ended up getting captured by aliens, escaped. We don't know exactly how yet, but this is years later. He's retiring, trying to reconnect with his son. Definitely a theme Philip Kennedy Johnson is playing with with his books right now with fathers and sons and connecting through this and through Superman. So that's interesting, I think, just from a reading perspective. Uh, But here, the son is a civilian, and for fans of the Alien movies, it's such a big deal when they go to Earth in this book. They go to Earth, you see very little of it, but you see people on Earth, you see what's going on with society, you see civilians involved. And just from that fan perspective, I kind of geeked out about that beyond the fact that it seems like they're doing really interesting, weird stuff with the mythology in this comic book. Salvador Loraca's aliens in particular are terrifying. Oh, yeah. The pacing of it is alarming and upsetting in the right way. I really dug this book a lot as well. Pete, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I thought the aliens uh, looked amazing. There's a lot of great kind of like splash splash page like uh, shots that were really powerful. Um, the bishop. I'm always creeped out by Bishop. Um, mm. And so, like, uh, it was creepy to see Bishop back. Yeah, and it was a very interesting story that we got to kind of see 
the son side of like why he doesn't care about what his father's been doing. And then we know like the father side. So it was very interesting perspective. And I think that's a, a cool way to as Alex or as Justin said, to put kind of like a fresh spin on something that we've seen a lot of. So yeah, I thought this, as far as the first issue is concerned, does a great job of giving you something that you know and love with a little bit of newness to it. So uh, I think well done. And what I, I think they, uh, they capture well here is like, the sins of the corporation in Alien are always like what keeps making people act poorly, and that's what gets everyone in trouble. And this, it's all about human mistakes, and it's just the aliens are there as the force of nature that makes them pay for their their mistakes, and it's it's just really great. Absolutely, really bowled over by this book. Next up, Harley Quinn number one from DC Comics, written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Riley Rosmo. This is a great team for this book. Riley Rosmo, in particular, on a Harley Quinn book. So much fun. Really like the tone here. Very different from the past couple of runs of Harley Quinn. I thought this was very enjoyable. What was your guys' take? Yeah, I agree. I thought the art was amazing. Really great story. As far as the first issue goes, does such a great job of like grabbing the reader and getting kind of like this take on Harley. And I think it's a nice take. I'm a huge fan of the animated series, uh, but I don't want every comic to be like that. So this is, I feel like a different enough take where it still feels like Harley Quinn. And I just, I love the art and the storytelling. I think this is a fantastic first issue. Yeah. I think what this book does, I mean, the art is so cool. It's fun how Batman is such a presence in it. Um, And it's like a little bit more of a Batman that is likable and sort of like just, look, I'm just trying to keep an eye on you, Harley, so don't screw around. It's like a dad. Batman's like a dad of Gotham. Yeah, Uh, Uncle Batman. Um, And and I really like this Harley because it's not like it's a huge change where she's like, I'm good now. It's a lot. It's the same character who's just like, I'm trying this out. Um, I don't know. Uh, let's just see. And she's sort of having fun with it. And I feel like that preserves the original spirit of the character. We talked about this on the live show this week about how um, Harley Quinn spun out of the Batman animated series and how wild it is that a character like that can just explode and have so many iterations in all these different mediums. And now to see her back here sort of having that spirit of the original while still being the same, also being the new character is great. Totally agree. Next up, Firefly, brand new verse number one from Boom Studios, written by Josh Lee Gordon, art by Fabiana Mascalo. We've had effusive praise for Greg Pak's run on the main title. This is a different artist, a different team, and it's jumping forward, I believe, 25 years in time to showing us the descendants of the original Serenity crew, what's going on with them now. So what do you think about this? Did this hold up to the high quality of the other Firefly books? Well, I think what I what I like about it is that they're taking a lot of swings. They're they keep moving um, with the with the Firefly uh, just story. Just like, hey, let's tell the most interesting story, no matter what the continuity really is. Let's just keep moving, um, and for them to move uh, from the past uh, to the present into the future, or I guess not in that order, um, but. It's it's great to see like oh yeah I'm so curious about this what's gonna happen where what are these characters uh, like they feel spiritually like the old Serenity crew but they're all new people Pete? it's like meeting yeah. your friends friends and they're nice Pete yeah I, know I you thought were probably put off by the fact that Greg Pak wasn't on this who you love yeah but go ahead 
yeah, I, I was kind of like, wait a second, what's going on here? Uh, the Pac was killing this, but yeah, I it's I like the way it kind of like starts. I think it's a great kind of story, a, a good take. But it's like you know, it's one of those things where it's like when you have a to do list and you you know just sleep instead of doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know, you're putting the whole, uh, you know, everybody on the ship in jeopardy. You know, that was that was just kind of crazy. Uh, but yeah, I I enjoyed it. I thought the art was good. Uh, I thought it was fun. So you're bothered by the chores? Then not no one's doing their chores. Well, I just bothered by how casually they woke up and they were like, "Hey, did you fix the engine?" And they were like, "Well, I thought you were gonna fix the engine." And then it's like, "Oh, you know, we're on a spaceship. You can't just casual beat that casual." What's the chore wheel like in your household? It's uh, it's it's a lot of chores, man. All right, it's a lot. But how's it? What happens if you don't do that? Like, how's it break out? Like, did you get your chores done today, for instance? Uh, yeah, yeah, just barely, just barely. <laughs> oh yeah. boy. <laughs> Teen Titans, Teen Titans Academy number one from DC Comics, written by Tim Sheridan, art by Rafa Sandoval. This is exactly what it sounds like. The Titans are opening up a school in Titans Tower. Meanwhile, the Teen Titans are off doing Teen Titans stuff, and these are the Teeny Titans who are signing up. Maybe someday they're going to be Teen Titans or Titans. I said all of those words quite a bit. What'd you think about this book? Great enunciation from Alex. I hit all of his consonants really well, and uh, that was borderline tongue twister. Uh, yeah, I thought this was uh, a fun story. I ship uh, Nightfire, so I-, I feel like you know I'm happy that they're still <laughs> wow. doing Just it. Just trying to know. slip that in there, Pete. <laughs> Dropping yeah. that knowledge. Uh, I think I feel like it was a little busy, but they have so many people on Teen Titans. I kind of feel like that's gonna happen. Uh, but overall, I thought it was a really solid first issue. I'll tell you what, Pete, I ship Nightfire, especially in this issue. Like I would normally definitely be a um, a uh, Batwing or uh, Night Girl, uh, Night okay. Is that the sure, right sure. Night Girl? Is not the right answer. I don't think Nightical. Uh, uh, or orc, oracle wing, oracle or, or wing? wing, or wing, uh, or a wing, uh, bad but dick, I, I, good, um, but I, I I agree. Like this feels, I feel like a, a lot of there's been a lot of books like this. Marvel does this a lot, where they're like, let's take our magic characters and make a school about them. Let's have um, all these young mutants be in this school, um, and often it feels like the stories feel. Uh, very like next door to the main uh, storyline, and this feels like this feels like a Titans book, and it's just now there's these gradations between all the different Titans. There's the Titans, the Tiny Titans, and the Teeny Titans, and there's a lot of there's the Tall Titans, um, the Tip Top Titans. Ga- what did guys, you think? Stop. What did you think about them having to be called like Mister Nightwing? That was pretty weird, right? It felt what I liked about it was it felt like kids who hadn't made a plan about, like, oh, what should we call ourselves? And then someone was like, yeah. oh, you're Mr. Nightwing. And they're like, okay. And then they have to go with it. What's your first name, Mr. Nightwing? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Dave? Oh, God, I'm Dave Nightwing. Uh, yeah, this is okay. I'm usually a sucker for these books. I thought this was all right. I liked Rafa Sandoval's art, just good superhero art across the board. Always very appropriate for Titans. Um, I don't really know anything about the Red X, which is the big mystery here. So, oh, 
felt like a bit of a deep dive for anybody who is outside that continuity. But uh, I like some of the characters. I'm definitely going to tune back for episode uh, for issue two and see what happens. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. What's in future number 17 for Boom Studios written by Kieran Gillen, art by Dan Mora. Pete, I was a little worried about you this issue because not as much grandma as there usually is. Yeah. But yeah, still, but you still there's a dragon. St- there's a lot of action. But you also got smoking grandma. Like grandma's smoking in this. Smoking so hot that, is what you're saying, right? No, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. She's, uh, but yeah, I, I, I like sh- this. I because- ship Pete Ma. Pete Ma. Pete smoking anyway, ma, smoking Pete ma. A lot happens in this issue. We kind of get all the pieces on the board. Uh, it was great to kind of finally see plans collide and everybody else kind of come together, uh, kind of revealing what's going to happen moving forward. This is just nonstop glorious. Every issue is unbelievably drawn. The stories are fun. The characters are great. The art's unbelievable. I don't know why you aren't reading this book. I am because we um because we all read we read a lot of comics. Um and I like this book, but I will say I think I need a little gear shift. I feel like we've been in this What? I feel like we've been in I'm not gonna stand here and let you def this is an unbelievable comic, okay? End of story. You can't put in your bullshit. This is a this comic is fantastic. Well hold on, Pete. Uh, just to jump in, Justin, I hear what you're saying. I actually think they got there with this issue because I've been feeling that as well. It's a lot of the grandma wandering around and be like, oh, you don't know what's going on with these stories. There's a lot of stories. And the yes. son being like, stories, come on. And then everybody's kind of wandering around and yelling at each other about magic stuff and stories. But this issue, what we got, it really feels like it's heading towards the end game here. We finally know yeah. they're looking for the Holy Grail. The bad guys wanted to essentially wipe everything clean and destroy the world. The good guys, of course, want to stop them. They get a dragon. We get this very propulsive ending of them on a dragon chasing after, I'm honestly forgetting whether it's Gwen or Galahad, who has been turned into a centaur. And I think that's part of the issue you're getting at, where it's a lot of these names being thrown out there. But I like this ending, and I'm very excited for the next issue off of this. Yeah, I mean, I I like where it's going, and honestly, the stuff with Rose felt like the most interesting. She feels like she's operating sort of on her own, but it's just like you're saying. It feels like Grandma and um, her son, hashtag Pete Mrs. Grandma, hashtag um, uh, Smoking Hot Grandma. Um, It feels like they really are just like, oh, here we go again. This story's crazy, but we have to keep doing it. And so I'm just ready. And the Merlin stuff was interesting. I liked that. But he, even he's a little like, I've already got this all figured out. So I think I just need a little uh, refreshment um, with that. Unbelievable. Uh, You're unbelievable. Well, let's move on then and talk about Action Comics 1029 from DC Comics, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, Becky Clunan, and Michael W. Conrad, art by Phil Hester and Michael Avon Oming. In the front story, we're getting a tale of Superman and his son, as we talked about a little bit earlier. In the back story, we're finding out what's going on with Midnighter after Future State. This directly picks up on that in a very surprising way. What do you think about this one? I thought this was a very touching story. Love the kind of like a Superman talking about being a human and like uh, this whole father son back and forth stuff. I, I'm I I really uh, that's really speaking to me. I very much enjoyed this. The Midnighter story is freaking me out. 
Um, yeah, it's different Midnighter. Yeah, yeah. The I love how stylized the art is. Um, I think it's like a cool take on Midnighter. But like the fact, I, I, oh, I just, uh, I'm, I'm nervous to see how this is all going to unfold. And I don't like the fact that they're not talking to each other. You know what I mean? Like you're supposed to be able to talk to your partner. Are you talking about him and the computer in his brain? No, him and Apollo. Yeah. What I will say is, like, it is a very different take on Midnighter, but it feels like they're still, Apollo is still the one who's knocking on the door at the end. Still the one? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so that's that must give you some reassurance. And the first story I thought was great, like, really keying in on this idea of, like, fathers and sons and sons losing fathers um, and fathers realizing that their sons are realizing that they're eventually going to lose their fathers. Like, all that... It's just great, like, idea and echo uh, storytelling. And then the last couple of pages setting up this sort of creepy uh, war world rising stuff, I'm into. I'm into it, too. And I like how they are tying in the DC Future State stuff. Now, the other thing, this is news that I believe leaked early this week before they were going to let it out. But it seems clear now in retrospect how they're setting this up with Superman potentially be taking off the board so that John Kent is going to move into the Superman role. We got this uh, Midnighter backup, which seems like it should be unrelated to a Superman thing. But it turns out that DC is going to be launching some sort of a Superman and the Authority series by Grant Morrison with art by Mikkel Janine. Which this seems to be setting up directly in my mind. We don't know much more about wow. it other than that, but that certainly seems to be where they're going. And that is very cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Grant Morrison back in the game, not sort of existing on the periphery, being like, hey, did you think I could make this Green Lantern book weirder? <laughs> uh, and then he does. Uh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, that's great. It's also great to see Michael Avon Oming on a regular book as well. I really yeah. like his stuff on Midnighter, and that's a lot of fun. Let's move on and talk about Ha Ha, number three from Image Comics. <laughs> Here we go. Hoo-ha! Hoo-ha, number three, following the adventures of Al Pacino in Scent of a Woman Land. It's been a great ride. I can't believe we've gotten here. The continuity has been very dense, but really getting that backstory of how did he find the sense of the woman? How did he come up with hoo-ha? It's been a wonderful ride. And I, how did he done. come up with hoo-ha? It is written by W. Maxwell Prince, art and cover by Roger Langridge. I love this team. I was so excited about this. This is a anthology book where W. Maxwell Prince has taken his regular creepiness from Ice Cream Man and applying it specifically to different types of clowns. In this issue, we get a mime issue. A mime oh, friends with a robot. Worst. Roger Langridge, one of my absolute favorite creators. He did Thor the Mighty Avenger. He did Snarked, is the book that he did uh, that was all a riff on Lewis Carroll stuff that is awesome. He did an amazing Muppets book, if you never checked it out. It's definitely much more surreal and fantasy-based than the previous two issues that were very realistic and dark takes. But, man, I love this book. It was so good. Maybe my favorite of the week. What did you guys think? I hate it. You hated it? Yeah, I don't like mimes. I think they're creepy, and this proves my point. Wait, you do you rank the sort of the clowns, the different genres of clown, in uh, sort of least scary to scariest? Uh, well, I uh, first off, I think you know, and and if and, and you know, no offense to Alex's wife, but I think that. <laughs> but I hate your wife. Yeah. 
No uh, offense I to think... your wife, I hate your wife. No, your wife is an unbelievable person. Wait, I don't are know you how considering, she puts up with you. Are you considering wife a different genre of clown? No, I just don't want to speak poorly of clowns. And, you know, uh, Alex's wife uh, uh, was an amazing clown, so I don't want mm-hmm. – that's a separate category. And, I and just to, to be clear clip. before you get too into it, Pete, of course we're going yeah. to break this into the four types of the clown, the white face, the tramp, the auguste, and the character. So go ahead. <laughs> I don't drop I don't that know clown what, husband knowledge. I don't know what was just said, so goose. But to answer your question, Justin, clowns do freak me out. I think um, you know sometimes you can see the sadness in, in their eyes, and that can be very painful. Um, and so give me the mimes, power rankings. The, so you got your mimes. You got your yeah. The mimes are this uh, the creepiest of them all. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Do you, because they're not talking. Yes, I don't trust people who don't talk, and I also well too and, skinny. And you have some, but also like, wait, Miranda. sorry, is it that they wear stripes so they look like they just got out of prison? No, no, that makes them look French. Um, but I think that like all French people just got out of prison. Go ahead. Yeah, oh, that's an awful thing to say. Um, yeah, I just uh, I don't trust uh, mimes and clowns can be scary. Is my long winded point that you kind of dragged out, <laughs> <laughs> Justin? What about you? What did you think about this issue? That's great. I uh, it's very <laughs> fun. That it's like wait, just, it's fun. That was fun. This whole issue is very fun. Like I would love to see the people story. died. I don't know what, what what you mean. What's fun? Hey. I got news for you. People die all the time. Oh, don't don't be that guy. But not robots. Think about that. Um, I'd like to see the script of this comic to see just how they put or the process really how they put this together because it's it's so uh, the visuals are so good they they do so much of the storytelling um, and it's just a fun a nearly silent uh, issue where we touch on like uh, I don't even know just like how the world sucks uh finding moments uh in uh, whenever you can despite like the weird circumstances of developing wow. an act and becoming friends uh with a robot um how uh the dancing frog is um can be Oof. can live can truly live uh, if you do it right a poor wb frog yeah Great book. Definitely pick that up. Next up, another one of my favorites of the week, Batman Superman number 16 from DC Comics, written by Gene Lun Yang, art by Ivan Rice. In this book, we're getting two tales told simultaneously of uh, Golden Age, I think, I would say, Superman and Batman through film, uh, not strips, but like old-timey film reels. Yeah. On the top, you got Superman. On the bottom, you got Batman. Like they say at the beginning, you can read them separately. I'd kind of recommend reading them together because, spoiler, they actually start to tie together at the end there. This is a very cool, really fun issue that I enjoyed quite a bit. Yeah, this issue I feel like really just stands alone. I mean, I know it is tying into a larger story, but it really is just like a super innovative way of telling these two stories and you sort of think one thing and then there are some reveals later on that you're like, oh, huh, okay. Um, and uh, like Alex said, things sort of come together in the end. Just a really innovative issue, I thought. I'm glad you guys liked it. Pete, you're so negative this week. Not really. 
Okay. Well, let's move on then to Crimson Flower number three from Dark Horse Comics, written by Matt Kent, art by Matt Liznowski. Pete, lots of people die. There's a lot of blood in this one as our main character hones in on her target. What'd you think about this? Uh, I very much enjoyed this. Um, I thought this was a really great villain reveal. Like we thought it was kind of like one villain and then kind of the through the like villain monologue and got to see kind of like how dark and twisted this villain actually was. So, uh, yeah, I really liked it. I liked these, uh, scarf powers and, uh, I think, uh, the arts like creepy and twisted in all the right ways. It's a very interesting, cool book. And again, it's like, there's not a lot of, there isn't too much dialogue, so it's not like a heavy read. I, I very much enjoyed this. Yeah, I like this a lot. The art is really cool. I wish we had talked to Matt Kent about this book. Yeah, we messed up. Uh, we messed up because we had him on the yeah. live show recently, and this would have been a good one because I think maybe we had just read the previous issue, which um, I think we all enjoyed. Uh, yeah, like it's hard to pin this story down. Like it's a really unique uh, story, like a, a revenge tale, and the art really just really showcases the, the the storytelling that's happening here in a way that is really surprising. It almost, this is probably the wrong thing, but the art almost feels like a medieval tapestry come to life in a certain way in terms Ooh, of how it's laid out and the way that they have these stories inside of stories inside of stories. Very fascinating book. Highly recommend picking it up. Next up, yeah. Detective Comics number 1034 from DC Comics, written by Mariko Tamaki and Joshua Williamson, art by Dan Mora and Gleb Melnikov. This is telling the story of a kind of poor, but still doing okay for himself, Bruce Wayne. What do you think about this one? <laughs> I mean, he's, I, I he's re- doing fine. They're, they're making a big deal about like, uh, I don't have my money. I only have 18 bat caves in this really nice apartment in a good part of Gotham. That's it. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, it's crazy. I have neighbors now. Ugh. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it's, yeah, it's, I know. We all have neighbors, asshole. It's, uh, yeah, it's weird to see uh, Batman kind of dealing with people. Uh, but I do really love the art. Uh, I really love the moment where the bad guy, like, sees Batman and is like, crap. Uh, that was just fun. Uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting story. Um, I, I, I really like the backup as well. I feel like it's a great package. It's a great package. Um, you love a good package. Yeah. Uh, I, I like this a lot too. And I, you know, we've talked uh, and oddly, uh, oddly we've talked a lot about Batman, the animated series, but this feels like Batman is warming up a little bit and becoming more like that Bruce Wayne from Batman, the animated series where he has to talk to people and he has to be like a normal person sometimes. And maybe that's what it's like when you lose some money and come back down to earth and get with the people, Bruce Wayne, get with the people, meet your neighbors. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else after that. You said, meet your neighbors. You went up and then meet your neighbors. That's what I'm saying. Okay. That's a punctuation point. Meet your neighbors. Uh, Yeah. Good story. Let's move on. Alex, go meet your neighbors. 
I would love to, but coronavirus. The Scumbag, number six from Image Comics, written by Rick Remender, art by Bengal, dealing with the last arc. Here we got our main scumbag is now a super celebrity. He has blown the lid on all the things he's done to save the earth while having a big party in his new mansion. And then new threats come his way. What'd you think, Pete? Yeah, I feel like this is, uh, you know, Remender having a lot of fun, a lot of cool, like, metal references going on here, which was fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, talking crack pipe. I mean, who doesn't love that? Uh, but I, I, yeah, it was just tough because I felt like we had gotten somewhere with Scumbag as a, a character. Like, it seems to, he regressed a little bit. I felt like he kind of did some things where he was doing things for the better of, you know, him himself and the team and moving towards being a hero. But now with this, it's kind of like he went backwards a little bit. So uh, that part's a little frustrating, but uh, you know, a lot of really fun art, uh, crazy over the top, you know, stupid stuff. (laughs) Uh, But what I like about this is Remender knows to bring this character back to sort of what he is and like, Yes, there's a hero in him, but we don't want him to be the hero yet. He has to continue to be the hard-partying scumbag, and that's what he is as he's thrown into a different uh, superhero situation, which I'm excited to see um, how that plays out. Next up, I know this is one of Pete's favorite Barbellion, Red Planet, number five from Dark Horse Comics, script by Tate Bombal, art by, story by Jeff Lemire and Tate Brombrall. I cannot say that last name. I'm so sorry. Art by Gabriel Hernandez Walta. This is about the Martian Manhunter-esque part of the Black Hammer universe. He is gay. He is dealing with that. He is also dealing with being trapped on his own planet. At some point, Pete, talk about this book. Why did this one strike you in particular well it's a very powerful book i mean you got uh you know people fighting for their rights what they believe in there's a lot of great protest moments there's very powerful pages with blood spilled on it uh they're they're saying a lot of great stuff in this book you know they're talking about the collective they're talking about like us as a uh, humans trying to grow and and fight for things it's very very powerful very cool love the imagery and the art and it's just really well done yeah i mean i agree i feel like we've been talking up the black hammer sort of side universe so much lately and it really is just like this great creative explosion um that's happening over in the dark horse universe and and this story like uh we've been talking a lot about the um sort of episodic uh series uh and this is just a great standalone story that has that is blown out that uh really takes you along for a great ride Really good book. Definitely agree. Next up, one of the darkest books of the week, Stray Dogs, number two from Image Comics, written by Tony Fleeks, art by Trish Forstner. So we reviewed, really liked, I think, the first issue of this book, which took a bunch of dogs, brought them together, and it turns out that maybe their owner is murdering women and stealing the dogs. We get deeper into that mystery. This issue... I think you kind of called this out last issue, Justin, but it very much feels like Law and Order Don Bluth or something like that. And yeah. It's kind of upsetting to read in a certain way. It is upsetting because, like, these dogs are witness to this killer who is continuing to kill. I mean, we don't know that for for sure yet, I guess. Um, but the way it's like, 
all these dogs definitely drawn in the style of the Don Bluth Disney uh, like very cute sure. lovable dogs that are just like we're we're in a dog story about dogs just trying to like get by and then fall in love and then eventually go home and have um, a lady and tramp children but instead it's like this super dark the dogs are witnessing and realizing that they are oh their owner their current owner is a killer uh it's so dark and so, i was so surprised by this and it's great yeah it's really it's it's very interesting you know kind of the thing of like uh what if the person who is you know raising you taking care of you feeding you uh all these things is a horrible horrible person you know, it's like, oh, what do you go on? Do you go on the fact that like, oh, but they provide for me and they're nice and they take me out and like, you know, all these things. And then uh, and then, oh, but I don't see the murders like it's it's very interesting perspective. It's very messed up and done this in this adorable art that makes it even darker. But it's this tale that hopefully these dogs can hopefully get to the bottom of and uh, make a difference. But man, uh, it's a crazy start for sure. Yeah, I mean, I say this a lot. I hope these dogs can solve that human murder. <laughs> yeah. Last but not least, Post-Americana, number four from Image Comics Story and Art by Steve Scrochi. In this issue, our heroes, I guess, have been captured. One of them has reconnected with her mom, and entering the fray uh -huh. is what looks like a superhero and a werewolf. I love this book so much more than I think I would every single time out of the gate because it's just so weird and funny yeah. and violent in exactly the right way. And I keep going into it thinking this will be the issue. This will be the one that turns me. This is where they'll go too far. And they never do. It just skirts that line perfectly. Well, I think this issue does a great job of having this like heartfelt um, reunion between um, the uh, our mother and daughter characters here, and it's like really sweet and, and taken very seriously. And then the back half of the issue, back third of the issue, is this like wild nonsense uh, superhero showcase. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's completely over the top, uh, tons of violence. It's it, each issue is crazier than the last and you're like oh they can't top that but then this issue does and it kind of makes fun of itself in the process but man uh really fun uh great read the art's fantastic a lot of cool characters i mean i i love the car i just i thought the car was so great uh such an awesome entrance uh but i did it did hurt when that uh mint issue number one got trashed by the guy in the tie. That hurt. Good stuff. If you'd like to support our podcast, oh, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show on iTunes. Leave us a comment and rate us. We would appreciate that quite a bit. At Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, we'll see you at the virtual comic book shop. Send in the mimes. Oh, those kooky, spooky mimes. Yeah,